At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. On November 11th, join us for Benzinga's 7th Annual FinTech Awards. It's going to be a day full of networking, deal-making, and recognition of incredible achievements that you won't want to miss. All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy... Wait, what did, what did I say? Did I say today was Wednesday? Why, why did I say that? Today's Thursday. Obviously. We're going to talk about Wednesday's market, though, right? That's what we're going to do for the next hour plus. we got a lot to get to. Moderna, Roku... Uh, let's go to my list here. When I was a uh, video, video game stocks, uh, Wayfair getting crushed. Fastly's doing okay this morning, so that's not bad. So a lot to get to on the show. Hit that like button. Let's get the show off right, Joel. How are we doing in the pre-market sessions? Bring up your charts. Uh, follow through here on uh, yesterday's strong day. Very strong day. Up seven and a half handles at forty-six fifty-nine seventy-five. Crude bouncing back after yesterday's. Beat down up a buck sixty eight at eighty two fifty four, gold up sixteen fifty at seventeen eighty forty. Silver going back towards twenty four. That's up fifty five cents at twenty three seventy eight. Uh, Bitcoin just hanging out in the sixty thousand handle. Doesn't really want to go anywhere. Uh, down one thousand two hundred twenty five dollars to sixteen one thousand eight forty. Ethereum futures are going the same way. Ethereum is down $118.50 at 4550 There's a look at your futures Ooh. markets. All right. Hey, let's go this view for a second. All right, Triple D, how oh, was your – uh, no, that, that view is not good. Sorry. Uh, how, how's your morning going? It's going okay. This is such – how many companies report today? Oh, there are like 400, eh? I don't know. I think this is one might, of the busiest days. I know I it's not big names, but it's one of the busiest. Today so you know it's busiest. you know it's crazy and hard to follow along with all the reports because when you're trading and you do as many different trades as I do, and you're doing some arbitrage and you're doing all kinds of things to keep on these kind of days to keep it all straight and what reports and what's moving with sympathy and what's not as a human being is nearly impossible. And I got like, I'm like, what's going on with this stock? You know, and I got it's going up. And I'm like, well, what's the deal here? I'm like, oh, my goodness, they reported earnings this morning. I own it. I'm like, I'm not going to say the stock's name because I'm in the position. But it just giving you an example is it's tough to even know who's reporting and who's not. You trade some mid cap or small cap stock and you miss it. It's like, oh, crap, I didn't know that reported. So and then the sympathy plays, you know, that you've always got to be thinking of, too. You know, like I forgot, you know, and I don't know how I missed it on my sheet. But that QRVO is reporting. And lo and behold, obviously, it's going to affect SWKS. But I don't know how I missed it 
Um, I did not wow. have QRVO on my sheet to report. Did it pre-report? When there's 400 plus earnings report, I think I just missed it. That's why you didn't, you didn't, you didn't see yeah. it. Yeah, like yes. at Bright, and they do have, and I know, if, you know, some of our traders have algorithms to do that, but they download it, and even sometimes, you know, the news desks miss certain ones too because it's just so many. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do. I mean, when you're inputting these, maybe talk about the process of, you know, how Benzinga Pro gets all the earnings do you just download that from somewhere else like i mean there's a human being inputting it somewhere is yep. it benzinga that's yeah so it? We, we we have a data team that is responsible for basically um when a co- uh, when a company announces in a press release and hey, we will report earnings on this day at this time it's always in a press release it's always several yeah. weeks several weeks at least several weeks in advance yeah. right we have a data team that will input that into our internal calendar system so it goes into the calendar in benzinga pro um and and we also you know we we wait for confirmation but we also will input uh earnings reports before they're confirmed based on historical patterns like usually for example usually netflix reports its q3 earnings around this day at you know like on this day based on you know last quarter for example or last year for example um so we we have like unconfirmed and confirmed reports in pro and and when they get confirmed we update them um but like you said there is a lot right it's a lot of data input we have a whole team that's responsible for data input it's it's just data entry for earnings it's also for ratings for ipos right for fda stuff um uh offerings right dividends it's all we we have an entire data team that this is their job to input this data. And it, it, it is a lot. But there's a, a human being involved. So, you know, mistakes yes. happen and, yes. you know, we, we can mess up. And I know you grab an earnings calendar from one place and we grab the other. 99% will be the same, but there will be little, you know, mix-ups sometimes too, you know, depending on where you grabbed it from. So it's tricky to keep it all straight. What I will say is, and, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people trade one, two, three stocks. So, you know, it's easier to manage and understand those companies better. And if you're retail, maybe you should be doing it that way. You know, when you're trading professionally, you're doing this for a living, you know, we're using firm capital. You know, sometimes I'm trading hundreds of different stocks overnight. So obviously on the show, I try not to talk about what I'm trading overnight. I talk about my longer term investments, sometimes my swing trades, but I I don't, I intentionally try not to talk about my day trades. If I do, I do fully disclose it, obviously. But um, if you get caught in a situation where you're long, you know, a stock or short a stock and it reports earnings, what a lot of newer traders in the prop world or in the professional world will do is like, oh, they're, oh, I didn't report. And then all of a sudden it gets bid and they're like, okay, I got to get out because I didn't want to be in it anyways. What you have to understand is you're going to get sometimes caught in a report. You almost have to let the dust settle after that because if, if all of a sudden your stock's getting bid after hours, it probably means it's because it's a good report. And if you're giving up that you know gain that you're supposed to get from being long it, you know, in the law, in the other side, you're going to get hit on the other side. But it's like when you get hit with random news, I always say you got to try to maximize what that news is worth. Maybe you didn't want to take it through the report, but that's besides the point. Now you have taken it through. So now your job as a trader is to maximize what you believe that earnings report is worth. Because if you're always minimizing just to minimize mistakes, I didn't want to take it through the report. So I'm just going to get out. Now you miss out on the gain you were supposed to get. So, and that will affect your alpha. Like what we're really doing as traders, you know, and this is for newer traders too, is we're trying in every single strategy, retail, whatever it is, technical trading, you're trying to beat the market. You're trying to extract alpha, the extra return over the market's return from your active trading. 
But if you're taking something through a report and you didn't mean to take it through and you just sell it on the first bid, well, you're missing the alpha that you were supposed to get from taking it through that report. You know, so even if you made money on the trade, it might be a bad trade because maybe the trade goes up five, six dollars. You were supposed to get five, six dollars and you only get a buck. Then on the next time you accidentally take something through, it's working against you. But you're like, well, I don't want to lose more than that. And that's where you'll throw out, you know, all those edges that you have. So all I'm saying is that when you do take something through a report, you need to try to maximize what you're going to get from that earnings report. That, that's, that makes sense. Maybe I'm talking good. everybody's head. No, no, you're trying not. to simplify it though. No. So, no. and that's what I do. And I often get stuck taking through stocks report on a trading basis. You know, maybe I was trading it. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I intentionally took it through. Sometimes I will, if I've got a bias, a lot of times though, I'm just like trading something after hours. And I'm like, I think I can get out of this four more hours before it reports. And then I just can't get out. So, because you know how I love to extract the alpha of being, you know, positive into an event. And sometimes there's good positively after hours, but you don't have the regular session coming before the report. So sometimes I actually get stuck in something, you know, overnight that reports. And, you know, then it's about maximizing. It's a whole different strategy. It's like, okay, it's reported. If, if, if it reports in the morning, I often, I don't want to even have an order out there because I don't want to get picked off. You know, a lot of people make a mistake too, is stock's going to report. Well, I just want to sell 41. It's 40 and a half. I'm going to throw out 41. We get picked off at 41 by the news hour because a really good report. Now it's at 43, 44, and you're missing out on all that extra gain that you were supposed to get. And then the chat's making a great point because this is how this whole started is sympathy plays, right? That's kind of how this conversation started. You can get lost right? in them. I mean, yeah. right now when there's three, 400 companies reporting, it's like, okay, I've got Skyworks reporting tonight. So, for example, I had SWKS, you know, reporting tonight saying, okay, well, usually, you know, how I like to be, I've given the strategy out a long times on the show. I like to be long stocks ahead of their reports. I did not have SWKS, but I actually had it written down to have it because I, and, and for whatever reason, I just got lucky I did not have it long, but QRVO reported and missed, and that is going to knock down SWKS. And for some reason, that's a big miss by me to not have SWKS on my list. So I don't know why I didn't have it there. But I didn't. But SWKS is trading down ahead of so, the report because QRVO was trading down. I, I, I want to show significantly. Yeah, I want to show some of the chats. And you know, we get this question a lot: like, how does Dennis find sympathy plays? Well, a lot of it's from his brain, right? But you don't have to be in Dennis's brain to find them. Let me Excellent. just let me just show, show this one. This one thing. This is inventing. You know, what, actually, let me let me start from scratch. Uh, this is Benzinga Pro. This yeah, is the home. Page. This. I'm going to follow you along too. Is it on the screen? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why it's full screen. I can't take it off full screen or maybe I, whatever. Um, uh, okay. So there it is. So this is the homepage of Benzinga Pro. You go to details, right? You search for any stock. So in this case, uh, Corvo, QRVO. I'm in right? details right now. I'm doing it with you. Details. Okay. And then I went to, I just searched QRVO. That's what you, that's what was on your, your mind this morning. Sure. Right? They had earnings. And then yeah. see how there's all these tabs. There's news, calendar, chart. Yeah. And then there's peers, there's this peers tab. Yeah. Click on peers, there they are. and boom, there's Skyworks, there's Xilinx, there's yeah. Marvel, Taiwan Semi, right? All, and it, it's not a perfect list. There's no such thing as a perfect list, but this is going to get you 90% of the way there, right? And you know, I'll yeah. even, I'll knowing that these companies, in all likelihood, now Nvidia is its own animal, so right. obviously they're just looking chips and they're just kind of throwing them all in there. And Intel's its own thing too, but you know, obviously as a trader, you, you know, and this is you know just giving you an idea. Like you said, it's not a perfect science. 
where, you know, when I'm actively trading, as you actively trade more, you get a feel for what really moves with what, you know, because, um, and obviously QRVO, SWKS, we've talked about that before, AVGO, these are Apple suppliers. So that's the biggest thing why you know, they all are linked together a little bit closer. Cirrus Logic is another one too, actually. CRUS, and it's probably, well, it's not trading down at all. Actually, it's just not trading. But QRVO <laughs> and SWKS always trade together to a certain extent. So again, the details widget, the peers tab, and the, that's how you can find nice relationships tool. like that. So um, for fun, type in like Macy's. Okay. Type M just to see how well this Coles, Target. Well, let's uh, yeah. well you don't give them away, Joel. Let's see what it shows up. So he, just type he, in he, M. We oh look at look at Joel. He predicted the future. I see Target, I see Coles, I see Dillard's, Nordstrom, big lots. Yeah. Big lots. Coles, Dillard's, Nordstrom, those are the big three that all move together. See, they got Target right up there, but Target moves with Walmart and Costco. It doesn't really move much with Macy. A little bit. I mean, but they're more it's more big box. But Coles, Dillard's, Nordstrom, they're all there. So it's up to you as a trader to learn what really moves closer with it. But this will give you an idea of what's moving in the sector. So I'll tell you right now, if you're trading peers and sympathy, Macy's, Coles, Dillard's, Nordstrom's all move together. DDS is a wild one. Beta a lot more. Yeah. So And, and Dillard's has the whole short squeeze aspect going on with it right now, which we saw with Reddit yesterday. A lot of lot of things happening with Dillard's that are out of you know whack with you know maybe just trading peer with with Macy's. Yep. And I'm putting the link. Someone is now asking about Benzinga Pro. I'll just put the link in the chat right there uh, to the pricing page. There's different tiers, uh, but again, a free two week trial for everyone. Pro.benzinga.com. Let's go to the earnings here. Let's yeah. start with Moderna. This was a bit of a shocker. I gotta say, and I think Joel Joel was surprised as well. We we, we both are. So I'll give you the numbers. I'm here. not. Okay, fine. You're smarter than than us. Earnings per share seven dollars and seventy cents versus a nine dollar and seven cent estimate. There's the chart. Uh, man, why is it like that? Uh, revenue five billion versus six point three billion dollar estimate. So they missed on the EPS. They missed on the revenue. Then they gave some COVID vaccine um, uh, guidance. Uh, oh, there's also a billion dollar buyback, but they gave some COVID vaccine guidance, and they're guiding to uh, generate between 15 to 18 billion dollars of revenue from their COVID vaccine versus a roughly 20 billion dollar estimate. Why? Right. Why is their COVID vaccine manufacturing going to be between five and three billion dollars? Uh, three, uh, three. What did I say? Three and five. Yeah, between three and five billion dollars less. And the asset because they get they said we're gonna ship fewer vaccines. They actually lowered their their outlook for the number of vaccines they're going to sh- uh, deliver from eight hundred million to a billion. That was their old range. The new range is seven to eight hundred million. So they're gonna sh- they're gonna deliver fewer vaccines uh, this calendar year or this fiscal year, I should say, this fiscal year. Um, and that's that's the big thing this morning on Moderna. This- this is all just tied into the same trade that we have been talking about nonstop for weeks here now. And it's the fact that the stay at home trade in Moderna is part of the pandemic. Stay at home trade is getting hammered. And we are starting to get past the pandemic. I mean, Andrew Ross Sorkin was saying it on CNBC this morning. We've said it on the yeah, show you know, for, yeah. for forever, but joke. he's right. We, the market, like everybody is seeing this now. This is blatantly obvious now. When the CNBC is picking it up, now it's really obvious. You know, <laughs> so we've got the reopening trade, which is now rocking and rolling. People are going back. Joe Kernan, after Andrew Ross Sorkin said that, uh, Kernan's funny. 
but he's like, I've been doing my own thing for months, you know, reopening trade or, you know, I've been, you know, going back to business as usual. We are, we're all somewhat, you know, going back to business as usual now, unless there's a new variant or a new pandemic or something like that. Um, you know, are they going to get nonstop revenue from these vaccines indefinitely? We're all maybe, you know, the people who got vaccinated probably going to get another booster. We're going to get boosters every year, maybe, but maybe not. So I don't know, like how, if they, you know, we're looking three, five years from now, if we're still getting Moderna shots on, on just, you know, that's why they got to keep focusing on their flu shot, which I do like that aspect of it, that, you know, eventually we're going to have maybe a better flu shot out of all of this. And Moderna might be a huge part of that. But right now, the majority of their vaccine is from COVID. And you know what? COVID's not in the highlight anymore. How often do you turn on your media and the first thing they're talking about is COVID? Not yeah. at all anymore. Not often. Not often at all anymore. So it's still out there. We're not completely past the pandemic, but we're looking. The market has looked past it now. And that's why you're starting to see everything start to rally the reopening trade. I mean, airlines are starting to go up, Joel. You know, the airlines were the last thing. You know, we talked yeah, about cruise were. lines for a while. Now that you got airlines, you know, the casinos are starting to show some more life. We've got MGM making new highs on a good earnings report here. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be aware of the overall themes. So if you're just coming in and, oh, I like that Moderna, you know, the valuation. Well, what's the theme that's going on right now? The theme that's going on right now is we're selling everything pandemic related. So they're going to, and then they cut guidance. So that's even, you know, back to the fundies, obviously. So in any regard, even if the theme was good, maybe it's going down. But they were already probably inclined to sell that stock before the report. So I'm not surprised it's getting hammered. Probably deserves to be hammered. You do have a level on Moderna, 293, which is huge. Um, does it hold? I think it might, but there's easier places for your money right now than playing these vaccine plays, I'll tell you. Yeah, that. there's been uh, – I mean, the reason uh, – well, we talked about this yesterday is, you know, Pfizer you know, did real well off its report, and uh, a lot of that was COVID-related. Now, uh, Moderna has more of the manufacturing problems, and – Pfizer gave some back yesterday, uh, but you know technically we've been talking about this stock for a while, and it's just been lower highs. You know, you came off that that nearly five hundred high, you made a rebound, stalled at four sixty, and then tried again at four sixty and failed. Then the next sell off, you know, you couldn't even get to three sixty. So you get each time you get a whole new set of people that are you know bag holders and. That's what happens. And you can see the drop today hanging out near the lows of the pre-market session. You have someone nibbling here around 302, 303 area, but you have to see what happens here on the uh, right chart uh, over um, the 7th, 8th and 11th of the, uh, October. Your range of lows is 9358 down to 9810. I'm just going to call that 295. Because uh, it splits all those three lows. We'll see what happens there. But uh, right now, really, no bounce. We're going to have a little date with 300 for Moderna. And then you got a whole nother set of, you know, all these people here now that caught it going, oh, it's going to be a People good bag report. holders all over the place. Yeah, here. there's Stock a lot. Stock is now trending down. I mean, we're down from the $500 level that we, $497, where we hit it back in August. When Delta, like, it was a different story than we, honestly, and even on this show, you know, we were talking to a certain extent about Delta, and it looked scary back in August. It's like this Delta variant's picking up. Well, you know what? It, I don't know what knocked it back. Maybe it's herd immunity. Maybe it's the vaccines. But the Delta variant has slowed down. And the other thing is, it's not killing that many people. So you know, people are like, okay, well, Sidney Crosby. You know, last night, now he's got COVID. I mean, you think about how Aaron Rodgers got it now. I, I, Aaron Rodgers has COVID. I mean, you hear about how many people and be like, when when this was happening last year, it's like, oh my goodness, Tom Hanks has COVID. Now you're like, 
nobody even thinks about it because you know what? It's not killing most of the people. And is it the flu? It's obviously a little bit more deadly than the flu, but you know, what has it degraded itself enough? And I believe, I firmly believe that the variants that are going around now aren't as powerful as that initial variant. I mean, it's, yeah. I firmly believe it. I, I, I'm not sure what Lisa has seen, Joel, but that's when I was getting my in my treatment at the hospital, I asked, and that's exactly what they said. They're like, yeah, the Delta is way more contagious, but just so much less deadly. Yeah. Um, and eventually, so. maybe it is just the flu. I think when we were looking at this back in March, when, you know, obviously a lot of people, you know, were getting sick and there was a lot of people dying. Um, I think, obviously, the, the, the statistics showed, you know, it was killing like 1%, but I think it's less than that right. now. So I think it's weakened. And yeah. that's good news for everyone. But it's not good news for Moderna. So, and that and that's the concern. Now, they're going to be, like I said, they have the wild card of working on that flu vaccine. And that's, you know, where Moderna can still be attractive at some point in time. And maybe it is. But right now, the stock is completely out of favor. Yeah. I don't like buying dips on stocks that are out of favor. I like buying dips on stocks that are in favor. That's why I didn't buy the Zillow, you know, dip yesterday when this thing was dipping Ugh. at 78 or $80. And now it's at $67. Wait, can, can so, we talk Zillow for one second here? With Kathy? Uh, yeah, this is this is off topic. It's not part of the plan. Well, the plan was to do it later, but let's just do it now real fast. This is pretty sure. pretty wild here. So. Uh, we're going out of order. Sorry, Mitch. But so uh, two days, two days ago, two days ago, uh, Ark Invest bought two a little under three hundred thousand shares of Zillow. That was on that was on Tuesday. Yeah. Yesterday they sold two point eight five million oh. shares of Zillow. Buyer's so remorse quickly. It does seem like even Kathy, who loves to buy the dip, to you know, to her credit, she's selling the dip. She, wow. she even she has her me. even she has her limits here. That scares me when Kathy. How often does Kathy come in and actually start cutting her losers? Not very no. often. She's no. one that adds to losers and av- never frown average down. She must listen boy, to oh show Joel, like when you joke about that. But she is the best. Like Kramer has called her the best average downer in the history of average downers. She's cutting the loss in this. That is surprising, and that scares the hell out of me. I'll tell you that. Because I know, you know, I'm I trade and I do some things, but Kathy, you know, and, and they do their she homework at Arc. They do yeah. their homework at Arc, and when they're cutting a loser on something, that's a scary thought. So I'm not 100 percent on Zillow. Obviously, the houses, you know, they weren't good at flipping houses, which I still can't understand how they lose money flipping houses from 2020 to 2021 when the average house price was up like 25 percent. But they did. They managed to figure it out how to lose money somehow. So you look here, Zillow. I mean, this is the ugliest three days in a, you know for any stock in a long time. You know, when you go from a hundred and five dollars to sixty-five dollars in three trading sessions, it's a mess. I'm not going to try to call the bottom on this, especially when Kathy Wood is cutting her loss. So I'm just going to sit back, let the dust settle. Maybe eventually it's a buying opportunity. I know Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman said they were both buying it yesterday. I'm going to go with Kathy here and just I'm not cutting the loss but i'm just gonna sit this one out for a bit because that scares me when kathy's cutting the losers because she do they do have that. estimate on what the losses are going to be has there been anything on estimates because what you got to think about holding the stock now is like what are the losses going to be wait are you, t- you know? talking about you're talking about arc or zillow zillow yeah i, I think that they did they did they did define the losses i think they yeah. sold a lot of the houses they, they they've already they, sold them yeah, taking, I believe so. I thought I saw here. that go by on the timeline. I'll, I'll tell you because they're taking it right down. Uh, All right. So they already. So because uh, what I'm thinking is, you know, well, they 
you know, they thought they were going to sell them for X and they have X loss, but it's X plus whatever. X plus Y here doing a yeah. lot. In any there. regard, Kathy's cutting a loss. I, I think, you know, we, we know that they're getting out of that business, so they're going to have a substantial loss from selling of those homes. <sighs> They've got their other business, which is uh, still okay, I think, but I, I think you got to let the dust settle here because there's a lot of people who are bag-holding this thing, I'll tell you that. Yep, yep. Did somebody right. ask about Disney before we just take you away. I, I like to, you know, address the chat questions, and I, the reason I'm jumping okay. at this question is because I have thoughts on Disney here as well. Right. I, I, I'm looking at the reopening trade, and I'm saying, you know, here we are. We're seeing a lot of stocks pop. Why is Disney not participating in the reopening trade? And I'm like, is it a catch-up trade eventually? Or is it Disney Plus? And I think they've got, I think this market is pricing in the fact that Disney Plus is not doing very well right now. I, I, I believe that. So how much of Disney, you know, where it is right now has been due to Disney Plus? And this is what scares me because I've wanted to buy Disney for a while. I think the parks are going to be, you know, doing well again. They already apparently are doing pretty good. I think the Disney Plus product has got some serious issues. They set a high bar, you know, with the uh, the subscribers. They really did. They set a high bar. You know, we do this, we do this, we do. And then, and then the first hint uh, that it was slowing down. They walloped the stock. Now you got to look at the bottom right chart here and you got to look at the monthly and Spencer's feel like we've been talking about this for, for yeah. several months and it's reflected in this chart too. I mean, you go back to your, it looks like your, uh, your may low one sixty seven ten. Look how many times you come down to this trip. This is the bottom of the trading range. So, you know, Hey, it's worked for the last six months down, uh, you know, buying it down here, but now, down here too. You're down long. here. You're down here again, and you and look at the bounce. There's less bounce. There's, there's less bounce. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. This yep. this this is technical trading 101, where you know you've got a huge level of support, but eventually, when you hang out of it too long, too long, yeah. Eventually, it undercuts. So maybe you get an undercut and rally. That might help. But I believe, I firmly believe that Disney is not participating in the reopening trade, which is on. Don't kid yourself. You look at the airlines, you look at the cruise lines, you look at the casinos. The reopening trade is on. And Disney is a reopening stock that is not participating, but they got the Disney Plus stay-at-home aspect of it. And I think Disney Plus is not doing well. All right. A week from a week from yesterday, November 10th, after the market close. If and if those subscribers, you know, go down or those subscribers don't show the growth that they want to see. Yeah, they could hammer Disney on it. I'm yeah. waiting until after that report. I want to hear what's saying with Disney Plus because I know. I even noticed my kids not watching as much as they were. And that's, you know why? Because they don't have enough, they don't get any new content. The, the con, they, they come out with some shows, but there's like, okay, well, we got one or two new pieces. Where's Squid Game? Where is your cool new content? You got some Star Wars stuff coming. I will watch Disney Plus for the Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars fan. But you're not going to get Joel on that. Do you have Disney Plus, Joel? Or do you look at Disney Plus? No. Have you ever had, have you, did you ever have it? No. Like free trial or anything? No. Do you I watch, smell Disney, smell do you watch a Disney Plus? lunch bet. I smell, I smell no, it. No, what what are you saying, Mitch? You bullish? Uh, I, I'm bullish. I'm bullish. I'm what do you, I'm do you watch Disney Plus? Stop though, before we make bets and stuff. I'm just trying to. I I want. I, I have Disney, Disney Plus, Plus package, package with ESPN, ESPN Plus, Plus Hulu, Hulu, and Disney, and Disney Plus. Plus. That, so it's all tied into that. That's a pretty good value. I don't have that. That, that is. That is. You, you know, that no, is. this is what separates, separates a lot of, a lot of people that have Disney Plus. The adults are watching Hulu. And, and ESPN, ESPN Plus. Plus. ESPN, the kids, yeah. kids are watching, are watching Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. 
well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we will. So we'll find out. Dennis's point was that if you look at why Disney shares have gone up, went up last year, Disney Plus, Disney Disney Plus. Right. right, and that that doesn't necessarily make sense because if it's a they fact- didn't have Disney Plus, the stock would be at one hundred and ten bucks. I, I hear sixty dollars for Disney that? Plus it in moved, here, it and moved. is it worth? Yeah, look at it, right here is the monthlies right is here. Is Disney Plus worth sixty bucks? I tell you, maybe because Netflix has went up more too. But I tell you, the Netflix product is absolutely superior to you know Disney Plus. If you have just kids, five to ten years old, Disney Plus is probably you know more fun. But if you're thirty years old. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just asking friends. I'm like, I don't know anybody that my like 35, 40, 45 years old that doesn't have kids. That's got Disney Plus. So, and 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 I think a lot of people tried it. I think a lot of people went in there because there was free trials, and they went in there watched the Mandalorian, and there was really it was really cool when it first came out. I liked it too, but I just look at I don't even turn it on now. The only time sometimes my kids will watch it, but they watch Netflix too. There's a lot of good kids programming in Netflix as well. So, and they've watched all these same shows. They don't mind watching the same show again and again, but they have a content issue. We've talked about this before. Disney Plus does not have enough content, not enough new content. All right. That's my thought process. Uh, okay. I think the Disney Plus numbers are going to disappoint massively. That's why I'm not going along this. We've gone on a couple of tangents today, but I, I do want to bring it. Okay. You know what? This is, this is related to Roku, to Disney, though, Roku, right? Because I thought. The bar was pretty low. Netflix already set the bar low for uh, for Roku and and Disney Plus for that matter. Um, and Roku reported earnings, and uh, the stock is getting uh, hit hard uh, in in reaction to those numbers. Um, you know the the EPS, whatever the sales came in uh, uh, light, right? And and their their uh, EPS, I think, was okay. But uh, they talked about inflation a lot, and I saw this. Uh, I think I don't know if it was from the, the release or from the conference call, but they Roku said that the price of of TVs right now is up forty two percent, and so their sales right. So their their sales are down. They blame supply chain. Their margins are down because they said that they're not passing the cost through to. The customer, they're just the cost increase. They're just eating it more or less. So their margins, That's a lot of companies, are their that. margins are getting are, are getting hit pretty hard. And they said that yes, the average price of a TV is up forty two percent due wow. to component shortages and 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 all, and all that stuff. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, their average revenue per uh, per user, uh, I, I think I think everything pretty much went down because of component costs. Hanging out too long down here. I mean, it, you know, the same kind of scenario that we were looking at uh, with Disney. You did get, a, it looks like a little bit of an overreaction right now. Uh, you hit that 280 level and you've bounced 12 bucks, 13 bucks off that. Yeah. So I'll call that 1280 support. Uh, 12, nine, uh, your high since reaching that low has been 93.41. So I think if you come back down, through this area, I think you might find some bids. I don't know if that, that pre-market low, I don't have anything there. My next monthly low is 272, but That's just looks like, number. yeah, yeah, 272 to, if it takes out 280, but right now it just feels like it's getting kind of thick. People think, oh, I missed the, the dip under under 280, but uh, ugh, boy, this is a big drop. And on the monthlies, like if you're thinking here and you're buying the dip, you're getting it you know, cheap under 300, I mean, you're not. I mean, it started the year at, uh, well, it started the year at 332. I mean, 
there's potentially a lot more downside here for Roku. Uh, well, and it's got a, a nosebleed valuation as well, and it's been firing on all cylinders because you know there's perfect environment for them to stay at home trade. This is this this is a stay at home trade, and stay at home trades yeah, are out of favor for sure. So just as we're repeating, you know what we just said and whatever stock, I don't even remember what we're talking about. But it, when 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 you're looking at these trades, you got to kind of classify them. Is this reopening or stay at home? This is stay at home. People aren't staying at home as much. So and you know even in the environment where they you know, we're killing it on the earnings. I'm not sure there's not, there's a lot of bag holders in here where I'm not sure it's rallying on a great report anyways. So I'm not buying the dip on stocks that are out of favor. The stock is clearly out of favor. It might bounce back. Is it oversold? You know, yeah, we get snapback rallies all the time, but I'd rather buy the dip on a stock that is in favor. Yeah. So right now I'm looking at, uh, I'd be more buying dips on reopening stocks, not on stay at home stocks. So if you see a dip on a reopening stock, that's interesting. Um, in the same vein of, of, of this is, is Wayfair, right? And it's the same kind of report, right? And this yeah, is actually yeah. pretty, pretty pretty stunning. If, if, you, if you look at the, the, the year-over-year numbers here, it's pretty crazy. So year-over-year, uh, year, Wayfair, this past quarter reported their 14 cent earnings per share. Prior prior Q3, Q3 of last year, their EPS was $2.30. So year-over-year, they went from earnings per share of two thirty to 14 cents. Uh, sales came in light as well. Um, active uh, customers only up one and a half percent year over year um, to just below thirty million, and uh, it's it's just it's the same it's the same trade, same idea. Stay at home stock. Yeah, people shopping online from home. People want to get out there. They've been cooped up for a year and a half. People are going out. It's not you know when you look at Kohl's and Macy's rallying now, and you're starting to see there is clear reopening trade on. So here you are again. You're looking at Wayfair buying the dip on it. I'm like, I don't know, because I think we're into a reopening environment here right now. So the way I, you know, approach my swing trades, you know, even, you know, not so much the long-term investing, but the way I approach my trading is what environment are we in? And you got to analyze that. And I believe we're in this full reopening trade. So then I'm not going to be buying stay-at-home stocks right now. I'd be buying reopening stocks on dips, not stay-at-home stocks on dip. This is a stay-at-home stock. Is it going to be outliers? Are there going to be companies that rally, you know, in the face of a stay-at-home stock that rallies? Sure, there is. There's always outliers. But overall, right now, the theme that I am seeing is to, um, you know, is the reopening trade. And this is a stay-at-home stock, so I'm not interested in buying the dip. I had a nice bounce off that uh, 222 low ballpark. You filled the gap, too. If you were just a gap trader, you got that gap filled yesterday. And then they hit it hard down to 248. I'm looking at this 247, 248 area. Now, if you feel like you like, you know, this was a big move, you missed it, you want to get in. I think that's what I'd be looking at. But you you bounce pretty good. You're only down 490. I don't know if you're going to get a look at that area, but uh, see the 50% retracement of that move, and maybe you get down there again, down 490. So really, still trading within yesterday's range. Uh, I'd be looking at that close at 268.90 uh, as resistance. A lot of people, after seeing it trade 248, like, oh, get me out at the mark. 268.90 was the close. Holy Ford. What's Ford said now? Is there more news on Ford? Did they just what? say something? Do, they I don't, don't know. Need... It's up another 3%. Ford, Ford doesn't need to say anything. They don't, they it's don't it's to... gotten full, like, you know, this is the EV play wait, all of a sudden. Wait, yes, they, we did say, about they did say something. Well, they, I don't know if they said It looks this, like news to me. This is a report from Inside EVs that there is uh, apparently, according to them, a new for, uh, electric Ford Focus uh, in the works that would compete with, the you know, the, the Model S and that type of thing. This is from 
the report is published on Autocar, and wow. it it said it, it hinted at at a new EV model. Ford is the value EV trade, and I'm I'm long. I've been long. I bought at seven dollars. I'm not selling it anytime soon. I did sell my GM. Um, and, but you know, I've, I've moved into Ford, like I moved in Ford a long time ago, obviously we all bought at the same time, me, you and Joel, do you guys still hold any? No, you guys hold yours? no, you guys that was, that any? was a year ago. I know. I look at any, I'm like Warren Buffett here. I'm like, all <laughs> hey, of a sudden, Joel Alcon and I'm holding. I'm still in. <laughs> it was last year. Still, I think I sold a piece, cent. but I've pretty much got the bulk of the position. They so just keep I'm holding on. It news. looks like it's got 20 on the brain now. So I don't know. I, I'm not selling it. Not now. Good for you, it's, man. It's moving. Even maybe I'm going to regret that, but I, I just think this is the value EV trade. If the EV trade's staying hot, I think the Ford F-150. I think that Ford electric F-150 is going to be one of the best selling. I saw something on Mustangs ever. too. Didn't they uh, have some good news about Mustangs as well? It's possible. It's seven thirteen this morning. Ford sees a seventy-seven percent rise in sales of EV, EV Mustang Mach yeah. E three in October. Yeah, they, yep. they sold. They sold. This is like the, we talk about the EV makers. This is like that because they sold twenty-eight hundred uh, Mustang Mach E's in October, up seventy-seven percent from uh, September. Uh, so yeah, hey, twenty is the next big level. It's going to be psychological. There's going to be some optionality there. I got to think when it's rallied this much that eventually wants to test it. I would think it would struggle to get through there the first time because it's had such a run. We were $15 five days ago. So, and this isn't like Tesla. That's, you know, this is Ford. So it usually typically doesn't move that. There's a lot of value investors in here and value investors don't get these ridiculous gains like this. But it is happening here in Ford right now. So value stock is turned to right. EV play. Our next guest is, is here. I, I think his camera is not connecting, but I, I think we'll still be able to hear him. So I, I want to bring him on regardless. And uh, sure. if, if you can't hear him and if you can't hear us, then Blue, let me know. Blue Putnam is the managing director and chief economist at the CME Group. Can you bring him on now? Blue, can, yeah. you, can you hear me? The old radio mute trick now. Can you hear me, Blue? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, we hear you. We don't see you, but that's that's okay because we don't need to see you. We just need to be able to hear you. Um, so uh, we haven't talked yet today really that much about the Fed. We were saving the Fed the Fed talk for when you were on now. So let's get your reaction to what to what they said yesterday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Well, it was very interesting. A lot of people thought it was a dovish meeting. I didn't. Um... Jay Powell told us what he had told us he was going to tell us, that the uh, quantitative easing program, the asset purchase program, would be start tapering right away, $15 billion a month coming down. That means the program ends around June of next year. That was all told to the market ahead of time. What he changed, he changed the criteria for raising rates. Previously, he had told us that he wanted to make sure that we were done with quantitative easing before thinking about the rate decision. Now he gave criteria, you know, want to get to full employment, inflation is definitely staying over 2%. And and so we have the door open for a much earlier interest rate increase than he had previously allowed. Uh, The other thing, just to remind people, is that he has not yet been reappointed as the Fed chair for the next year, and that's highly controversial. So, you know, the Fed that uh, made the guidance uh, yesterday may not be the Fed that's going to make the rate decision anyway in in, uh, 2022. All right. As if we needed another layer of of, uh, complication here. So uh, where does that leave us with regards to the inflationary environment we're in right now? Because we know that they've sort of not quite made an about face, but they've sort of admitted like, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bit, it's a bit more persistent than we thought it would be. Um, so let's say nothing really changes on that front for the next, I don't know, a couple months. What, what, what Avenue, what path forward does the fed really have here to, to, to help us out of this? I don't know. Well, the fed has uh, shifted its views a little bit on inflation. Uh, they're much more careful with talking about transitory. Now they're much willing to admit that it's the supply chain disruptions are going to last a long time. Uh, so they're, they're clearly worried about inflation and thinking hard about it. The quandary for the Federal Reserve and other central banks is that their toolkit is not designed for supply-side disruption. They're designed to control demand. Mm-hmm. So you, you put interest rates up a lot, you know, you can slow down demand. Demand isn't really our problem. And you wouldn't wouldn't want to cause a recession coming out of the pandemic anyway. So uh, the more likely course of central banks is to think seriously about, you know, just what it means to go to neutral. Um, and, and of course, the definition of neutral is up for grabs, but it's probably something like a 2% federal funds rate and no asset purchases. So the, the Fed simply takes the... Uh, all its actions and says the economy no longer needs to be intensive care. In fact, we're releasing you from the hospital. 
and uh, you're on your own, and we're in neutral. Blue, you mentioned uh, you know being uh, up for renomination for Jerome Powell. Yeah, I kind of thought that was a foregone conclusion that uh, that Pump and Powell was coming back. You seem to cast a little doubt on that. Well, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion till it happens. Uh, and uh, President Biden has delayed his choices on the Federal Reserve a little bit here. You know, there's uh, currently Janet Yellen's seat is open to be reappointed. Uh, Richard Clarida's seat matures, if you will, in January of 2022. So there'll be two open seats. And there are three open jobs that have to be filled by members of the Federal Reserve Board. That's the chair, vice chair, and vice chair for supervision. All of those appointments need to be made probably as a package. Uh, and, and so I don't think it's absolutely certain that uh, Jerome Powell will be reappointed. He's certainly the favorite. He's done a great job. Uh, but, you know, there are certain members of the Democratic Party in the U.S. Senate that oppose his nomination. It would be highly renomination. It'd be highly controversial. So this is a package deal and it's complicated and that's why it's been delayed. So going forward here, we have a slowdown of the gigantic bazooka gun, right? Uh, what what do we look for now? We, we were waiting for this all year, and now we've got it. So now what do we look forward to, if anything? Well, you really have to look into the markets and see how the yield curve is responding. In the last three or four weeks, uh, we've had a fairly large sell-off in the two-year, so higher yields in the two-year. We've also seen a moving forward of interest rate rate rise expectations of when they would start in the federal funds futures markets. I mean, if you look three or four months ago, nothing was going to happen in 2022. Two moves in 2023. Yep. Now you get two moves in 2022 in the future. So we've, we've got to watch these markets. Now, at the same time, the 10-year is still trading. Uh, actually, it's a little below 1.60%. Uh, and so the 10-year the uh, Treasury is saying, look, we don't, we're not worried. But the two-year, that's the period in which the interest rate rises would commence. So it's in play. And of course, two-year options are in play as well. So that's where the market action is going to take place right away. The secondary market action is, hey, We've still got really big budget deficits, even uh, with the shrunken, you know, potential infrastructure bill and so forth. Uh, and the Fed's not going to be buying as much. And by next year, they won't be buying anything. So you can guide the market as to what the policy is going to be. But now that it's going to happen, uh, you know, we'll have to see if it pushes yields higher or not. But certainly right now, the 10-year market doesn't price in inflation risk. But Blue, what do you make? What do you think of the job that Jerome Powell has done? What is your opinion? Well, you know, I'm kind of biased. The Federal Reserve uh, Bank of New York was my first real job. Uh, I think the Federal Reserve uh, has really navigated the pandemic pretty well. Uh, I, I certainly, as uh, as an economist, look at uh, you know going forward, and you know the the stock market's at record highs. Unemployment's pretty low, 4.8 percent, and coming down. A record job openings, uh, record voluntary quits. That you know, there's a lot of confidence in the job market. Inflation's running at five percent. Core inflation above three. 
you know, I would say it's definitely the, the right move now to get rid of uh, emergency measures. This economy doesn't need emergency demand side policies. But, you know, I, I think Jerome Powell navigated the pandemic very well. All right. Well, you know what? At least you can admit your own your own internal bias. That's that, that, that's very often the first step. Um, Blue. And then last thing, what is the mo- just the most common question you're getting right now? Is it about is it from people in your life just asking about inflation? And we just talked earlier about the cost of TVs. Um, seems like everything is higher. What, what is the what is the biggest question? The most common question that you get these days. The most common question is, are we headed for 1970s stagflation? And the question beneath that is, how long is this supply chain disruption going to last? Great. So what are the answers to those questions? (laughs) It's nothing like the 70s. The 2020s are not the 1970s. I mean, the starters, the music is not as good now. Okay, (laughs) I'll give you that. Um, We had rising unemployment during most of the 70s. We had an OPEC shock. Uh, inflation was rising the whole decade and much higher than it is today. We peaked out at 10% inflation. Uh, so it's just not the 70s. And of course, now we're in a high-tech economy. Uh, the companies are very different. Uh, so I, I think parallels to the 1970s stagflation are, are going to misrepresent the analysis. I don't think it's going to work. So somewhere in between where we are now and the 1970s, right? So, uh, no, we're not in between. We're going forward. Uh, we're in a pretty different place now. You know, demographically, uh, the U.S., Europe, China, Japan, we're a lot older. That's a very different situation than the 70s. Uh, the technology is so different. Things happen a lot faster with social media. The politics are more divisive. They were pretty divisive back in the 70s with the Vietnam War and so forth, but much more now. Uh, so I think we have to look at what a post-pandemic world looks like and and not try to use this, go back to some pre-pandemic normal. I, I don't see that happening. We're going to be in a, a different place. Fair enough. Fair enough. Blue Putnam is managing director and the chief economist at the CME Group. Blue, we always appreciate you coming on. Next time, we'll make sure your camera's working. But thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Blue. Thank you. All right. Hey, we skipped over video game earnings this morning. I want to go back to those because uh, – Again, just for, for Roku, the bar was low. All they had to really say was, we're not delaying any games. Huh. And that's basically what they said, right? We called this yesterday. Take two, no no real major game delays. EA, no real major game delays. Skills yep. is a, bit, a, a different story here. But EA and Take Two, yep. doing okay. Nintendo, too, doing okay here because they didn't say anything bad. <laughs> that's low bar. That, yeah. that, it's all about that. It, it, it's it's the, the the you know playing earnings. It's all about the bar, and Activision lowered that bar right to the ground for EA and Take Two to just step over it, and that's not surprising. So you get the separation here now. I'm long Take Two. Full disclosure, um, that's in the long term portfolio. I've been long it since the start of the pandemic. So I'm sticking with it. Um, but you know it's a low bar. That's exactly it. And you know, and Activision Blizzard. This is what I've said yesterday. When you have a company that disappoints. You want to be the second company to report. So if you have two companies with identical earnings, let's just say, you know, in a in a other things being equal world, you have two companies with identical earnings and they're both gonna miss. You want to be the second one reporting because the first one they will hammer it on, there'd be a little bit of a sympathy move. And then the other one's like, Oh, it wasn't that bad all of a sudden. So they set the bar lower, EA take two, walk right over it. 
And uh, we noted the price action in both of these stocks yesterday, and I think they they both uh, both ended up green on the session. And I thought that that was that was a tell, you know, for the earned the way it, they reacted. It react was impressive. And, yeah, very impressive. Uh, you're just you're hanging out here at one ninety. I mean, that's that's your pre market high. You're clearing a bunch of monthly highs too. So don't get caught in a little breakout here. Uh, Let's see. Take out 190. I, I don't have anything for you, really. Uh, let me see if I can find anything on the monthlies. Your next monthly high comes in at 190.81. That was your March high. So maybe keep it on that as a potential target uh, for EA. I mean, both these stocks are not that far. Oh, this is real close to all-time high. The EA is up 360 now. That has backed off the pre-market high, so I'll put a little more credence uh, in this 146.60 area. And look at that. You got a pair of tops right up there, too. 146.91, 146.93. So better to identify, easier to identify the resistance in EA than, uh, than take two this morning. And ATVI did bounce a little bit. Uh, not much. If you call that a bounce, <laughs> well, it's it, it closed off its low. We noticed that too. That it it you know was it is that the low of the move? We don't know. But uh, day it one is often nice not the low of the move. That's all I know. Yep, pre market high for ATVI stands at sixty seven sixty seven. Qualcomm ripping, ripping, ripping. I'm long Qualcomm long term portfolio. Intend to hold it. Bought it back during the um during the march COVID bottom there one of the few that i got near the bottom wow i'm holding on to it i'm just gonna hold it what's the earnings look like uh, eps beat uh two dollars 55 cents versus a two dollar 26 cent estimate sales beat 9.3 versus 8.8 .8 billion dollars they gave q uh they gave uh, a q1 revenue guidance in the 10 billion dollar range and they gave a uh, q1 uh eps guidance around three dollars per share uh, and I have not actually looked at the stock this morning, so Whew, blasting off, yeah, up uh, nearly fifteen dollars. High of the pre-market session, not the all-time high though. Don't know if we're going to get there on the monthlies. Double top it, uh, you know, closer to one sixty-eight. I, I think today, I don't know if you'll see that level, but right now it's bid, and uh, they're just taking it up here, walking it up to see if there's anything at one fifty-four, but. Keep this one. Just keep an eye on that that high nine twenty nine, in uh, fifty nine seconds, and see if it just blasts through it. But uh, good report for Qualcomm. Uh, okay, well, let's do some ticker time. We'll have Peter Tuckman on in around sure. seven minutes, but let's take some tickers from the chat. No, there's a lot, obviously there's a lot of earnings that we didn't cover. Uh, I wanted to mention skills, even though the bar was low. You know their EPS missed, their sales missed, so skills is getting punished. Uh, but um, yeah, moving moving against trend with uh, take two and, and EA this morning here, but there was a lot of tickers. Big run. Yeah. Uh, let me go here. Let's 50% see. In three weeks. Yeah. Skills. Yeah, that's true. Um, 11 oh, bucks. Let's see. It did dip below 11, uh, but a little bit of bounce 1142, but that 11, you know, three, four lows in that area for it blasted to 13. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, we can look at square since RN, Ask sure. Nicely, we can look at Square. I I did see the headline uh, in the last hour that mm. the the the, ad, the acquisition of Afterpay was approved. Uh, the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I have yeah. no opinion on this. It's the middle of nowhere. Pair of highs that you want to see it clear these pair of highs at uh, two sixty two, and you don't want to see it take out the pair of lows at two forty eight. 
A few people have mentioned Merck, which is trading higher. Did they say something about about their pill? Yeah, it got yeah, approved in Britain, game. I think, or somewhere yep. else. How That's much they're going to milk? Continue to milk this thing for though. So I'm long Merck in the long term portfolio. This, if I was in the short term trading account, I'd sell it. So I'm talking against my long term portfolio. I'm not selling Merck. I've had it for like 15 years. I'm sticking with it. But if it was in the short term trades, I mean, this has been a big move for Merck now. You know, we were seventy one dollars a month ago. Now you're ninety one. That's a huge. You know, talking about twenty five percent up move. I think all the good news. A lot of the good news is priced in. Could it eventually be a hundred dollars stock. Yeah, uh, but I, I I think you're going to get a chance to buy Merck cheaper eventually. Uh, sticking in the space, you want to look at Regeneron here. That's also blasting off. I here. sold it. Yeah, I, I, I bought it horribly, and it's just come back too far. I still like Regeneron long term. I think I'm going to get it eventually cheaper. I think the time to sell the drug stocks is actually upon us. They've all had ridiculous runs. Like this is just a huge move. Yeah. So it was a ridiculous sell off. Maybe Regeneron. They really hammered it on the Merck pill, and obviously, you know, maybe that was overdone. But now, just as much as a ridiculous sell off, it's been a ridiculous rally. You're getting back up to major resistance. I sold my Regeneron a couple of days ago. So I'm I do intend to eventually get back in there though. I just bought it really bad and I came all the way back in literally three weeks. It was too much too fast. Uh yeah, and, and their their EPS blew it away this morning and their sales crushed it as well. So that's 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 why you're good getting news. that move. This that's all good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but maybe this is like it's wow, right up. back maybe, up near all time highs. I, I there's all kinds of resistance up here. This is just I, I, I think it's an I think it's a sell. Okay. Right. Short term. Short term. Uh, uh, 76.76.90. Well, 72.88. Uh, your next target and 76.94. But be careful on this one. If you get the additional bump off the open and then comes back down, it, you know, someone starts to ring the register in a $660 stock, it, uh, those gains can erode very quickly. All right. Someone asked, what about Penn? What about Penn? They report earnings. About two hours ago now, uh, um, earnings per share uh, down year over year, sales uh, beat the estimate. Uh, and then speaking of Penn, I did see that Fubo's sports book, their very first sports book, did go live today in wow, Iowa. Wow, Fubo. Wow, That's Fubo. Been moving. Yeah. Now I'm looking at the chart. It's been moving. It's yeah. Impressive it's move. 34. One month from $23, $22.34. It's up 50% in the last month. Anyway, their first, their first sports book is live today, but we can look at Fubo and or Penn. I just wanted to bring that up because I saw the headline thing. I saw the football thing this morning. My pen's been crap. I'm long pen. I bought it $76 a few, I don't know, a week ago, a week and a half ago when it came back in and kind of consolidated. You see the little three bottoms? I thought maybe consolidation. I, I, I honestly bought pen because I see it as a reopening trade too, and it hasn't participated. So they do have the sports batting part of it, but I see it kind of like casinos. I, I bought more Las Vegas Sands as well, which actually has been doing pretty good. My pen has not. So I don't. I'm still sticking with it. I think, you know, I, I put it in the longer term account because I wanted to rebuy it. I had scalped. I bought it like 70. I sold it 84. I wanted to re-get the shares that I sold. So I rebought it 76. I obviously could have got it cheaper, way cheaper today at 70. So kind of disappointed that I maybe jumped a little bit early. I still like the pen story. Uh, spike down uh, just under 68. Uh, that matched that low at 67.91. Uh, you got a couple buck bounce off it. 70 would be the good level for today, I think. I mean, we're trading down 213, 70, 56. You did have buyers 
at least in the regular session, at 70. So we'll see, 56 cents away from that. Just touch 71. Let's see if the 70 can hold uh, hold up uh, when the liquidity comes in. For, for awareness, for awareness, IBM is not down $5 this morning. It says it is, spun but off. it's not. They're do, they spun off a company, and if you had IBM shares, you're getting shares of that new company. The ticker is KD. Yeah. So just just if you see that, You'd be like, whoa, $5. No, don't worry. It's not. No, IBM's adjusted close is 121.42. It's actually trading up a buck. You will get uh, for every five shares or for every um, share, for every five shares you own of IBM, you get one share of KD. Yep. I should have sold that KD off the IPO there. (laughs) Holy mackerel. What what is the KD chart? I don't even know. No, no, no. That's a, that's a, that's not it. That's a. I don't know. Uh, that's not it. Traded. I don't. I don't think KK. No, is Joel's charts. Joel's charts have not updated yet. <laughs> that is not it. <laughs> Kindrel Holdings. That's not it. Okay. Yeah, it's Kindrel Holdings. But I don't know. I, no, I, but, I actually don't even have a chart on this yet. My yeah, the, the, I don't. I don't know what data the transaction is pulling. But I don't, I don't have a daily it, chart. I don't think it's it. right. <laughs> maybe it. Maybe has KD been trading? I, I don't. I didn't see it trading. I don't follow the story at all. I think this was the first day for it. Though. Yeah, today is the okay. first day for it. I don't know. What I don't know. Doing. I'm just. I don't know. Anyway, someone's asking about well, last one here. Lightspeed e-commerce LSPD. Lightspeed point of sale. Um, you know the Ooh. The, Ooh. The, the, the point of sale systems at restaurants. <laughs> earning, earnings per share down uh, year over year. Sales. Um, actually, sales were up. Significantly oh, down nineteen. They gave uh, Q3 sales guidance around 140 million. Uh, and then guidance for the year around five hundred thirty million dollars, um, and the stock is getting punished. That's a significant. Uh, boom, boom. Got some monthly lows to contend with here. Uh, I'll just give you a potential support seventy five forty five. Haven't hit that yet in the pre market. Pre market low is seventy six and a quarter. That's not a bad number. You bounce four bucks off that. Uh, below that though, look out. You're not seeing another. Uh, monthly low until uh, sixty-eight thirty. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys uh, finish things up. Uh, I got uh, Kenny Glick waiting for me. He's gonna come out hey. to market prep. Yeah, yeah. Got a got a good one. He's gonna talk about his morning setup. So uh, Spencer, I'll check in with you in a little bit. Triple right. D, go get him. Okay. I, I I'm aware, everyone. I saw some feedback in the chat. Uh, yeah, we're working. We're trying a new platform. We're trying a new platform. We're we're not sure if we're gonna stick with it or not. But uh, yes, we're having some blurriness issues and um, we troubleshooted this morning it was fine before we started the show i swear to you uh and then the second we started the show it went back to being how it was so i apologize for that but uh we're working through the kinks here and if not we'll just go back to the service that we were using before uh no harm no foul um dennis any final thoughts from you uh before i i, I bring on uh buying dips on stock on earning stocks that are in uptrends not buying dips on earning stocks that are in downtrends so um, one that yeah, I already own it, but an earnings dip you're getting is Fisker. Um, I think the EV Ooh. story is still hot. They're selling Fisker off. It doesn't even have earning, like it doesn't have any revenue yet. So I don't totally get why they're selling Fisker off to the tune of I don't know three and a half percent. I'm still long Fisker. I'm sticking with it. I think the long term story is still intact. I think you're going to see Fiskers on the road at the end of next year. Uh, someone in the chat says we should go back to streaming from Zoom. No, we are not going to go back to StreamYard. Streaming. was good. So so what we've done, we went from Zoom to StreamYard to Restream. Restream, two days ago we started. StreamYard, you have been watching for the last year. StreamYard has been excellent. I'm a big StreamYard fan. 
three yeah. stream has some cool bells and whistles, but if it's a little bit blurry, then we're going to have to. Right. If it's a little buggy, then, you know, we'll have to go back to it. It, it seems like apparently we tried this a year ago on a different show and they had some bugging issues as well, but there are some things we like about it. So we're working through it. We're working through it. Uh, last one. Uh, Dennis, an- did, another, did... another stock that's dipping on an uptrend just because we're, you wanted themes is uh, sun power as well. I own both of these stocks. Um, if I didn't own SunPower, I probably would be buying a dip on that one too. So I own Fisker and I own and these in the long-term portfolio. I don't intend to trade these. Um, so obviously I can freely talk about a Fisker, SunPower, nice earnings dips on stocks that are in clear uptrends. And then Those are a lot nicer than the Zillows and the Roku's that are in downtrends now. Someone's, in asking, someone's asking if, if, if you did Virtue. I'm sure you're long Virtue after that. It just had that huge earnings move from... Yesterday, or yeah, no, yesterday. not long virtue. Not I'm long not virtue? virtue. I thought you, I thought you were like always long virtue. I was long it for a long time. I've been out of virtue because I'm concerned where payment for order flow is going. Oh. So virtue makes the majority of their money because they obviously are high frequency market makers and they can you know make the spread and payment for order flow feeds that. And yeah. if we start to get further regulation on payment for order flow. They will hit virtue stock. So that is why I am out of virtue right now because I don't know. I'm not saying, you know, who's going to win the war here. We know in the long run, it seems like the Citadels and the virtues win, yeah. but okay. um, which is obviously good news for virtue. But I am concerned uh, somewhat that, and same thing with Robinhood. I mean, if they start to look further at off exchange market making, if they start to look further, um, then that could be concerning for a stock like virtue. But we don't know where Gensler's going. All right, Dennis. I don't want to own the stock because it's a wild card. All right, Dennis, have a great day, sir. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. Go go make that money. All right, uh, let's bring on the Einstein of Wall Street, a.k.a. Peter Tuckman, live from his car on the side of the West Side Highway, I think. Peter. Yeah, let me get to a spot, Ben. Uh, Spencer, give me a sec. Where, okay. where are you right now? You're in your, I see you're downtown. I'm in, I'm on the tip of, I'm on the tip of lower Manhattan. I'm sitting in a bus stop on oh, the man. corner of uh, walk and don't walk Spencer. Jeez, <laughs> oh, please. This is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. Don't drive. No, no, I pulled over. We're all good. We're all good. Oh, I pulled over. Gosh. We're good. The all cops right. are behind me. I got protection. It's all good. Oh. How's everybody doing today? What a crazy, crazy market. How are you doing? Yes. You look, you look like you lost some weight. You look thin. You look great. Healthy. It's actually it's actually the nothing. new camera, but thank you. Um, <laughs> the new camera. It's all hey, look, nothing like a little COVID to do the trick. Hey, that that also helps. Uh, so, Peter, uh, thoughts? I, I mean, we're, look, we're at all. What does it say? We're at all time highs in the major indexes uh, again. Uh, it's going to probably end up being a record year, if not close to your record year, in terms of number of new all time highs. Uh, and yet, there are so many stocks that are just beaten down right now and out of favor. Um, wh- where are you at right now as far as your all your overall sentiment here? Because especially coming out of the Fed, you know what? Sure. You know what? Look, I you know these Fed days we've talked about them before. I really beg people to let all this news come out. This market is really wild. I mean, there's just no question about it. You can analyze these crazy stocks, the memeified stocks of the week. Every day there are multiple ones. The Fed yesterday, the price action there. My gut is is this, guys. Good news comes out, market goes up. Bad news comes out, market goes up. No news comes out, the market goes up. I I don't even know. You know, there were people anticipating the, I mean, it was a very well-anticipated release that we were going to get a schedule on the taper. And, you know, was that story going to result in some sort of a pullback? Because, look, it's basically taking the fuel, you know, your, your foot off the gas pedal for a little while. 
and you're knocking it down from 25 million a month to 15 million a month. You're not selling uh, uh, instruments, but you're still not buying as many. And you know that was a story that we were trying to set up and develop a scenario where that would be. It was now we don't know if it was going to completely disrupt the rally, but it was surely going to put a little pause in it. And it had absolutely no effect. The market went straight up. Now, is it a matter of how they interpreted, you know, the the news that came out after? Right, Powell is a is a um, a verbose speaker. You know, there are a lot of fun English words like loquacious and things to describe the way this man can. And I like the guy, and I like his transparency. But the way these stories unfold about describing that, you know. Why did the market continue to go up after he said we've gonna, we're starting the taper tomorrow, basically, right? Why would that be a positive thing in any way unless what people were really listening to was his press conference, which really described how, you know what? We have to acknowledge that the Delta variant put a big strain on the market, on the economy, and on the recovery story. Is that where they went with their focus? And then the story unfolded that, you know what, once again, we are going to be nimble and flexible with our data-driven decision about interest rate raises going into the next year. Was that what they responded to? What made the market go up 350 points? Was there anything really, you know, I I mean, I guess that's the, the taper story should have put a little bit of a halt. The, the Delta variant effect on the economy should have said, okay, well, then we're going to postpone further raising of interest rate. That would have been a positive thing. So I'm kind of just kind of baffled. It just feels like there, you know, look, the market is being controlled by a small percentage of our economy. People who are struggling are not buying the S&P 500. Yeah. Let's yep. be clear, right? So people who have been in the market and been making in the mar- money in the market all year long are still in the market. And they are, whether they are just, you know, enjoying the run. As you said, there are stocks that are now in rotation that have gotten kind of beat up. Look at Peloton yesterday. You know, look at some of these names that were, you know, uh, wonderful and some of the tech names, wonderful catalysts to the rally throughout the COVID situation. They made our lives easier and whatnot. And some of them are getting a bit hit. But the, the relentless appetite for the market is obvious. You know, I am a firm believer the market tells you what it thinks of releases of information. Right. We see earnings come out, good earnings market, you know, stocks get eviscerated down 50 points in the first five minutes. You know, so price action determines my opinion in so many ways, which means that the, the positive response yesterday to uh, the Fed release was kind of curious, but it tells me that there's still an appetite for the market. Kind of curious. And okay, you seem to be like, yeah, I like that you admit that though, right? You're not quite really sure. You know, you're not quite sure you understand it, but hey, you don't have to understand it. That's just the way it is. So, uh, what is like looking forward now? What is the next major thing you think, you know, people like yourself, people on the floor, people, you know, your clients are focused on? Is it corporate earnings? I mean, we're kind of moving, we're sort of going to start to move past that next week now. Um, what, what is the next driver if we even need one? I don't even know if we need one, but it's a good, it's really a good question. Look, we're, we're at record highs yesterday, yeah, we closed at record highs actually across every indices, right? So, look, at this point, you've got to look at it and say, is there any resistance here? Is there something that's going to be the catalyst to putting a little bit of a halt on this? Are we going to see rotation into the end of the year? You know, look, in years where where markets are so robust like this, do we, we don't need to mark, you know, 
uh, hedge funds and institutions don't need to mark up positions coming into the end of the year. They, they're, they're, look, you know what, though, I have to admit, there was a piece coming that came out earlier in the week by Bob Pisani saying that a lot of these fund managers uh, have underperformed the S&P 500, that stock pickers, guys who are managing big money, yep. have had a little bit of a problem. And, and that's why I revert back to it being a trader's market in so many ways, because, you know, long term, there are stocks that people got in. And if they were not nimble and did not take profits when they could, they kind of their their positions got a little bit hurt. You know, they're guys who had short positions. We love, you know, some people in CAR the other day, you know, there was six billion dollars in short losses on that stock that we've never seen a stock in history go from. I don't know if people watch the Avis story. Earnings came out, a bit of a short squeeze. It got memefied, and it went from 157 to 550 dollars, and then right back down to 250. You know, and then what was one yesterday? These, um, I don't know. David Green was talking about one of these names that we trade. They traded that went from 10 to 55. I mean, we're seeing, you know, we're we're seeing an unprecedented uh, wildness. This is really kind of cowboys and Indians in so many ways. So, in answer to your question, you know. I, I can't see anything. Look, there's no news out there that we know about that is going to. I mean, yesterday's report by the Fed was going to be that story, putting a timeline on the taper that was going to at least disrupt the rally. And it had absolutely the opposite effect. So what will be the next catalyst going forward? I don't really know. All Things right. look robust. Some of the earnings were disappointing. Some blew them out of the water. And the response by the stocks were completely, you know, contango, fantango. I don't know. <laughs> contango, fantango. I like that. Peter Tuckman is also known as the Einstein of Wall Street. He runs Wall Street Global Trading Academy. The link to that is in the description of this video. If you want to check it out, you can get more education from Peter there. Uh, on your own time doesn't have to be right right at any given time so uh Peter, and, I, and, I mentioned, and i beg people to do that because this market though it is robust from a long-term investment point of view from a day trading perspective which a lot of people are using to take advantage of this market if you know technical analysis that is a gift this kind of volatility and if you don't i promise you guys who bought car at 540 dollars are licking their wounds at the moment yeah, and yeah. people did. Spencer, seventy-eight percent of the volume was above five hundred bucks, right? So there are people who are getting in these stocks on a FOMO mentality that are getting blown up. So I beg people to check out Wall Street Global Trading Academy. Thanks a lot, Peter. We'll talk to you again next week. Good luck, right. Spencer. Good Please luck, to Benzinga. Please Good get luck. to work. Please get to work safely, man. Uh, I hate how he, he streams and oh, he's parking now, so sure it's fine. So okay. Uh, hey, up next, guys, live trading with Benzinga, Mitch, Ryan, Zunaid, live trading from nine fifteen to ten fifteen this morning. Uh, maybe even a little bit past that. We'll see. Uh, but uh, that's what's up next on this channel. If you haven't already, please hit that thumbs up button on YouTube. I do appreciate that. We put this information out for you for free on the internet. And uh, one way you can support us is by hitting that like button. So we appreciate all of that. Thanks to our guest today. Thanks to Peter. Thanks to blue. Thanks to all of you in our chat. Please remember all the information from this show and all of our shows on our channel meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Matt Miller. I saw your super chat. I, we, we will reach out to Vinco ventures and try to get their new CEO on the show. 
a show at, at, at some point here. I did see it. Yes, I, I saw you. Thanks for the reminder. Uh, everyone, have a great rest of your day. We'll see you over on live training, live trading coming up next. And um, good luck out there and stay green and, uh, and, and stay filled. Don't miss your free chance to tune into Benzinga's very own bootcamp series on November 20th. If you're looking to dive into new concepts and grow your account, this one's for you. 